Well, turn with me now in your Bibles to John chapter 14. I'm going to read briefly from John chapter 14. Just the first six verses. And then we will turn to our sermon text this morning, which is Proverbs chapter 4. So first, John chapter 14, and then Proverbs chapter 4. John chapter 14, verses 1 through 6. Hear now the word of the Lord. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. And where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know. And the way, you know. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going, and how can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Amen and amen. Have you ever lost your way? I do it a lot. I live in Boston. You can't live in Boston for very long and not lose your way. And yet Jesus says to us in John chapter 14, let not your hearts be troubled. Don't be disturbed. You cannot lose your way. Not on this road. You see, this road is so straight and so secure that anyone who travels on it will most certainly reach its destination. And Thomas, like so many of us, looks at Jesus and goes, I don't even know the destination, let alone the road. What are you talking about? And Jesus says, Thomas, my disciple, do you, have you not heard what I just said? I am going to prepare a place for you. I'm getting heaven ready for you, and I'm getting you ready for heaven. You will be with your Father, my Father, in glory. And I'm going to get you there. You see, Jesus is the one who gets us there. And Jesus is the one to whom we are going. So we can't lose. So let's not have our hearts troubled. Turn back with me to Proverbs chapter 4. Proverbs chapter 4. Solomon, in Proverbs chapters 1 through 9, has been introducing his son to the concept of wisdom. In chapters 1 through 3, he gave to his son a foundation of understanding what is wisdom. How do I get it? What does it do? Wisdom, he explains, is the knowledge of God and of God's will for our lives. That's wisdom, knowing God and his will. He then explains that that's what shapes us then into the image of God. That when we know him and what he wants, 
then we are conformed to his will and likeness. And so Solomon is making that point again, but this time he's doing it by introducing us to eight essential qualities of wisdom. Generous living, attentive listening. He comes now to steady walking. The wise know how to walk and where. So look with me now. Proverbs chapter 4, verses 10 through 27. Proverbs chapter 4, verses 10 through 27. Here again the word of the Lord. Hear, my son, and receive my sayings, and the years of your life will be many. I have taught you in the way of wisdom. I have led you in right paths. When you walk, your steps will not be hindered, and when you run, you will not stumble. Take firm hold of instruction. Do not let go. Keep her, for she is your life. Do not enter the path of the wicked, and do not walk in the way of wicked, in the way of evil. Avoid it. Do not travel on it. Turn away from it and pass on. For they do not sleep unless they have done evil. And their sleep is taken away unless they make someone fall. For they eat the bread of wickedness and drink the wine of violence. But the path of the just is like the shining sun that shines ever brighter under the perfect day. The way of the wicked is like darkness. They do not know what makes them stumble. My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. For they are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all diligence. For out of it spring the issues of life. Put away from you a deceitful mouth. And put diverse lips far from you. Let your eyes look straight ahead and your eyelids look right before you. Ponder the path of your feet and let all your ways be established. Do not turn to the right or to the left. Remove your foot from evil. Amen and amen. It's been noted that parenting is something of a paradox. You spend several years of your child's life teaching him or her to eat. And then you say, no, no, don't eat that, eat this. You spend several years of your life teaching your child to talk. And then you spend the rest of those years telling them to be quiet. You spend several years, or in most cases, a year, year and a half, teaching your child how to walk. And then you tell your child, sit still at least on Sunday morning in the pews. Isn't there this strange tension in parenting that there is a need to know when to go and when to stay, where to go and how far to go? It is not enough that we teach our children to walk. As Solomon makes plain to his son here in this text, it is also important that we know where to walk. And how to walk. It is good that all our infants and all our toddlers are discovering the strength of their legs and the stability of their feet. But dear parents and fellow congregants, let us make sure that our children also know where those feet should go. And make sure that they know how to go there. 
Solomon lays this metaphor before his son that he might make this point to him. Jesus is the only way home. Jesus is the only way to heaven. And so, friends, walk with Jesus. In this life, you must walk with Jesus. Let's think about this a little bit this morning. Notice at the beginning, verses 10 through 13, Solomon says to his son that he should be listening to his words. Verse 10, hear my son and receive my sayings and the years of your life will be many. This is the principle to which Solomon returns again and again. Solomon, throughout these chapters, and he will continue until chapter 9, is impressing upon his son the importance of listening. Hear and receive my sayings. But notice in verse 13 that this is not a passive or lethargic activity. He does not mean sit silently in the pew and just passively receive the words that are hurled at you. Notice that there is an energy and a vigor to listening in verse 13. Take firm hold of instruction. Do not let go. Keep her, for she is your life. The listening that is commanded in verse 13 is the same vigorous clinging that is commanded in verse, sorry, verse 10, verse 13. For they are both connected in the same motivation. They give us life. They give us long life. The years of life will be many. Solomon then adds to this principle, which is his core principle, that if we will be a humble people, a listening people, we will learn the truths that lengthen our lives. We will learn the reality of the world that will enrich our existence in it. But then in verses 11 and 12, he adds to it a metaphor that we have all used instinctively, that walking through life is a way to describe how one lives. Verse 11, he says, I have taught you the way of wisdom. I have led you in right paths. Solomon says to his son, listen to what I have to say, because what I have to say will put you in the right place. I will plant your feet on the right path, and I will put your toes on the way of wisdom, so that when you walk through your life, you will not be hindered or hampered. I will send you on the road that has the smallest obstacles and the fewest twists and turns. I will simplify your life and make it as easy as it can be. Solomon is not here promising his son a sin-free existence. He is not promising his son a sorrow-free existence. He's just pointing out there's a way to get from point A to point B that is as painless as is possible. And I'm going to show you that road. I'm going to show you how to walk that path. He says in verse 12 that not only will you walk without obstacle, without hindrance, but when you run, you will not stumble. In a word, he says, let me show you a path that is the exact opposite of all the sidewalks of Cambridge. There are no crooked bricks. There are no trees magically appearing in the wrong place to distract you. There are no crazy, I mean, have you guys seen the curve out here? It's like a 45 degree angle when you try to go around that tree. We're supposed to clear three feet of snow. There isn't three feet of sidewalk there. But Solomon says, I know a road that's not like that. I know a road that is straight and smooth. 
I know a way through life that is not littered with boulders and obstacles and confusing twists and turns. No, I know a way that is wise and a path that is right. And if you travel on it, it's smooth going. Hold fast to it. Of course, if this is a metaphor, we have to ask the question, what does it illustrate? What does it represent? And as we saw in John chapter 14, John chapter 14, it represents Jesus, who said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. You see, the only way through life is in the company of Christ. Where should you walk? Solomon's answer is, with Jesus. Whether in Boston or Pittsburgh, whether in this continent or that continent, whether in America or in the Ukraine, the geography does not matter nearly as much as the proximity to Jesus. Walk the Jesus road. Whether you do it in science or math, or whether you do it in social studies, whether you do it in school or in work or at home or in the streets or in the shops or in the stores, where in this world is not nearly as important as doing it with Jesus? My friends, are we alive to the reality of Christ and his resurrection? Tim prayed for us before the worship service. And Tim prayed that we would know the reality of the resurrection. That we would know the truth. Jesus is alive and in him we are alive. And when we walk through this life that can so often feel like a living death ending in a sure grave. Jesus comes to us and says it's not true. It's not true. The resurrection is real. And heaven is too. We, my friends, must learn to walk through school with Jesus. We must learn to walk through work, through worship, through marriage, through parenting, through growing up, hand in hand with Christ. He is the way through this world. Having impressed this point upon his son, Solomon then says, now there's another way to do it. And it's not a good way. But there is another way. And in verses 14 through 17, Solomon says to his son, do not enter the path of the wicked or the way of evil. You see, there's a way of wisdom, but there is also a way of evil. There is a path that is right, but there is also a path that is wicked. These are the two roads that a human can take through life. And Solomon gives to his son in these verses six commands, three negative and three positive, so that he might have a full picture of what exactly he should do with this wicked path, this way of evil. First, the negative commands. Do not enter, do not walk, do not travel. You guys get it? Let me break it down for you. Do not enter the road of sin. That means don't even start. Do you know the best time to resist temptation? Before you sin. I know it doesn't feel this way often. But sin is weakest before you do it. I know it doesn't feel that way often. 
But my friends, resist temptation. Resist the devil and he will flee. Do not enter the path of the wicked. Secondly, if you happen to find that your feet have tripped upon that way, do not walk on it. If you do enter it, Solomon adds to it, don't walk on it. Okay, so you ended up in the hour of temptation and sin is right before you and you're on the path and you're in the middle of it. Stop. The best time to turn away from sin is before you do it. But the second best time to turn away from sin is in the middle of doing it. If you find yourself succumbing to the temptation, Solomon says, well, resist. If you cannot resist beforehand, then certainly resist during. But then thirdly, he says, do not travel on it. Inasmuch as we should never even enter the path of sin, and inasmuch as when we do enter the path of sin, we should resist continuing down the path of sin, most of all, Solomon says to his son, don't make it a habit of living there. And walking that road with regularity. Do not travel on it. Don't make it your daily commute for crying out loud. Don't live on that road. But then positively, Solomon offsets all three of these negative commands with three positives. Just as he says, do not enter the path. He says in verse 15, avoid it. If you come to a door and there's sin on the other side, avoid it. I had a pastor friend who many years ago told me about a member of his church who confided in him. Every time I drive to work, I pass a billboard and it fills me with lust and temptation. My pastor friend said to him, is that the only road that goes to your job? He said, well, no. And my pastor said, problem solved. Get on a different road. My friends, do not enter the path to sin. Avoid it. Go around. Go away. Escape from the entrance to sin and its habits. What is more, do not walk on it, but turn away from it. If you do find that you cannot avoid the sinful road, if you find that you have entered the sinful path, then turn away from it. Do not walk on it. Get off. Get into the grass. Get into the yard. I was cycling with a good friend of mine in the roads of Oklahoma, which for the most part are safe and peaceful and happy, until the 18-wheeler with a truck bed full of cows comes along. Pretty soon, the two of us found ourselves laying on our sides in the grass. Because it's safer to have flipped your bike into the grass than to fight with the 18-wheeler. He wins. Solomon makes the same point. My friends, don't fight with the sin. Get out. What does Joseph do when Potiphar's wife says, come? He does not come. He runs the other way. What does the Apostle Paul say to Timothy when there is sexual immorality? Flee. Run. Turn away. Run away. Thirdly, then, Solomon says to his son, pass on by. Do not travel the road. Do not linger on it. Do not make it a home, a daily commute. No, pass it on. Move away. 
There is a good road through life, and his name is Jesus. Walk with him, dwell with him, but so too, avoid that path and road that is sin. He gives a reason in verses 16 and 17. For they do not sleep unless they have sinned. And they do not sleep unless they have caused someone else to sin. Indeed, they eat the bread of wickedness and they drink the wine of violence. Solomon says that we must desperately avoid this road of sin because it's where the depraved dwell. They don't sleep unless there is sin. They eat only sin. They drink only sin. Their lives from start to finish are filled with sin and the desire to make others sin. And for this reason, my friends, let us stay away. Let us stay close to Christ and far from sin. This is the option Solomon lays before his son. And he concludes this portion of his teaching in verses 18 and 19. But the path of the just, that is the path that is right, the path that is righteous, the path on which the justified walk is like the shining sun. You see, it is the road well lit and well illumined. It is the way that is beneath that light that never goes out. For Jesus himself said, I am the light of the world. It is the road that is under the radiance of Christ. It is the path through this life that is well lit and illumined, shining brighter and brighter until the perfect day, until the full day, the complete day. Solomon says there's a road through life in which you can travel that advances from strength to strength, Psalm 84. That advances from brightness to brightness until at last we're in that world, that perfect day in which there is no night. This is the day that is dreamed of in Revelation 21 and 22. Where there is a new heavens and a new earth. And there is no night. And there is no sun. Because Christ is the light of the world. Not merely in metaphor. But in true reality. This is the road that is set before you. But so too is the way of the wicked. Which is darkness. In which they do not know what makes them stumble. In which the wicked walk in such ignorance that they do not even know the corpses and cadavers over which they trod. They do not know that they are walking among the dead. They do not know that they are bumping knees against headstones and gravestones. They do not know that they are about to fall long, headlong into a grave that ends in hell down below. They do not know over which they stumble and they do not know into which they fall. For their depravity is so complete, and their sin, and their wickedness, so entire. Solomon says to his son, these are your options. Which way will you walk? My friends, on which road are you walking today? You see, it's incredibly important that we preach this text. That we apply this text in a true, once-for-all, exclusive way. Have you put your faith in Jesus Christ? Are you walking through life with Christ? But there is also this important application too. Are you really walking with Christ? Or are you just hoping He shows up when you die? 
Are you really hand in hand with Christ when you go to work? Or did he stay home with your morning devotions? Are you really hand in hand with Christ when you and your spouse are going at it? Or did you leave him in the closet in the hopes he won't interfere with your sinfulness? Beloved, do we really actually walk with Christ in the light? Because you know what it means to walk the road of light? It means all the darkness within you will be laid bare. And all the sin will come and be exposed. My friends, come. Come into the road of light. Walk with the Son of Solomon to glory. Follow after him. And let us bless one another to this end. Solomon then turns his attention from where his son should walk to how he should walk. How he should sustain his walking on the road. In verses 20 through 22, Solomon repeats to his son, Give attention to my words, incline your ears. This is what he has said in verse 10. Listen. Listen to what I have to say. In verse 21, he adds to it, Let them not depart from your eyes, that they might be in the midst of your heart. You see, Solomon is giving to his son a right understanding of his anthropology. What does it mean to be a human? You see, humans have to have good things in their heart. But to get good things in our heart, we have to put good things in front of our eyes and good things inside our ears. For the ears and the eyes are the doorways to the heart. If we are to fill up our hearts with love, we are going to have to put love in front of our eyes. We're going to have to put love inside our ears. In order to have in the midst of our hearts truth, we're going to have to look at truth, study truth, and we're going to have to listen to truth. Beloved, who in your life is helping you walk with Jesus? Who is making you pay attention to Jesus? If you do not have a mentor, get one. If you do not have a prayer partner, get one. If you do not have a Bible reading partner, get one. If you are attempting to walk this road to glory alone, you're not doing it the way Jesus means for you to do it. Where should you walk in fellowship with Christ? But how should you walk when you are there? In fellowship with one another. He means for us to travel this pilgrimage in company, in assembly, with brothers and sisters who fill our ears with Jesus, who fill our eyes with Jesus, who say, look, do you see Jesus? Listen, do you hear Jesus? Those who will hold up the scriptures to us. That's why we come here on the Lord's Day. Because there's a guy that stands in the pulpit that says, here's Jesus. Do you hear him? Here's Jesus. Do you see him? That's why, my friends, we have family worship. So that parents can say to their children, here's Jesus. Do you see him? Do you hear him? This, my friends, is why we have midweek groups on Wednesday night. So that we can say to one another, here is Jesus. Do you see him? Do you hear him? This is why we have prayer partners, Bible reading partners, accountability partners, mentors. So that we can say to one another, here is Jesus. Do you see him? Do you hear him? Come walk with him. We walk with Christ when we walk with one another. And so inside we are filled up with the vitality and the health that we need to walk the road. Verse 22. When the heart is full of Jesus, the flesh is full of health 
and life. Isn't it striking that even the unbelievers are discovering and have begun to declare that the mental health, emotional health, physical health, and spiritual health are all intertwined? That's the new psychology. Have you seen that? All the most brilliant minds in America have begun to publish works on how you cannot have mental health without physical health. And that you cannot have spiritual health without emotional health. That we are a person, a whole person, and we must pay attention to all of it. Well, as brilliant as they are, and as wonderful as their studies are, Solomon beat them by 3,000 years. And says right here in Proverbs chapter 4, Health for the flesh lies in knowing Christ, in being near to Christ. Health and life and the vigor and the vitality in order to fulfill Psalm 92 that when they are old they will flourish fresh and green. Solomon says to his son, age with Jesus. Age in the company of Christ and in the company of Christ's people. But Solomon would not only have him walk surrounded by those who will fill him with Jesus, but Solomon would also tell him to be a giver of Jesus. In verses 23 through 24, Solomon says to his son, once your heart is kept with all diligence, filled up to the full with the love and truth of Jesus Christ, know well that the issues of life will spring out of it. Do you want to be one who tells the truth? Then put the truth in your heart. Do you want to be the one who does good works? Then put good works in your heart. When we know Christ and have him diligently kept in our hearts, The issues of life flow out from it. How we navigate the twists and turns of this world, how we endure the sufferings and the sorrows that befall us, will be dictated by who is in our heart. Is it me? Or is it Jesus? Who is at the center of who I am? Is it Christ? And then out from him come the issues of life. So Solomon says to his son, put away a deceitful mouth. And perverse lips. That is to say, make Jesus known to others. Be someone who not only receives from others the teachings of Christ, be someone who gives the teachings of Christ. Beloved, not only should you have those who fill your eyes and ears with Jesus, you should be one who fills others' eyes and ears with Jesus. Who is your mentor? And who are you mentoring? Who is discipling you? And who are you discipling? Who is teaching you to pray? And who are you teaching to pray? Who is teaching you to read the Bible? And who are you teaching to read the Bible? Enter into this fellowship, says Solomon. Son, live in this community of faith that together urges one another to look to Christ. And so he ends verses 25 through 27. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Your eyelids look right before you. No looking around. No getting distracted. No getting off topic. Focus on Jesus. Study the scriptures. Be in prayer. Attend to Christ. Attend to the word and knowledge of Christ. Look straight ahead. What is more, he says, ponder the path of your feet and your ways will be established. Pay attention. Have I wandered away? Where can I come back? Be attentive to how your life is lived, but most especially be attentive to the Christ who is your path, your way through life. 
Do not turn to the right or to the left. Remove your foot from evil. Walk steadily and surely behind Christ. If the metaphor were to be expanded in our language, Solomon ends by saying this. Son, I've showed you the right road to heaven. His name is Jesus. But you know what else? He's not only the road, he's the guide. He is the one behind whom you must walk. Study the back of his head and stay in target with him. When you take up cycling, as I urge all of you to do, when you take up cycling and you begin to ride in a pack, there are things you have to learn very quickly so you don't knock everybody over. Rule number one, you are not responsible for all the cyclists around you. You are responsible for the tire that is right in front of you. If all the cyclists in the peloton can avoid the tire right in front of them, no one falls down. You know what's funny? Cyclists learned this like 50 years ago. Like five years ago, bird studiers learned that that's exactly what flocks of birds do. Have you ever seen those flocks soar through the air? And how they twist and turn and rotate and they never bump into each other? Do you know how they do that? They all pick one bird and they follow that bird. And none of them get out of place. This is how we should walk. Pick one person, Jesus, and follow him. Walk behind him. He is the only way home. He is the only way to heaven. He is the straight and narrow road. Follow him. Walk with him through life. It was interesting to me. This was a rough week. A hard week. And hands down, one of the sweetest highlights of the week was seeing that video. We got to see Tommy Mangan walk. He walked out of the hospital. What an extraordinary answer to prayer. To see God heal. And to see him walk. He walked with his wife beside him. He walked with the cops all around him. Did anyone see his dad? Only for a brief moment, his dad was there beside him in the background. Where dads tend to hang out in events like this. You know what struck me about his dad being back there? His dad and his mom taught him to walk. And now they get to see him walk again. And can you imagine the amount of joy and satisfaction a mom and a dad have when their little toddler walks? Can you imagine the joy and the satisfaction a parent has when their adult child comes back from such an incredible tragedy and walks? But you know what was coolest of all? The way he walked. All my kids noted it. He walked like a mangan. He had a mangan step. He had a mangan wave. He had a mangan smile. All my kids were just like, that looks like Patrick. <laughs> you know what I saw? He could have celebrated the wife who was beside him. He could have celebrated the cops with whom he served. He could have celebrated the doctors, the nurses, the parents. 
He had one moment, he had one sentence, and what did he say? God. He said, God is strong. Friends, that's how we walk. Not in the strength of our coworkers, not in the strength of our parents, not in the strength of our marriage. We walk with Christ, and we walk in the strength of Jesus Christ. That's where we should walk, and that's how we should walk. Do you remember what John says in his epistle? I have no greater joy than that my children walk with God. Parents, teach your children to walk with Jesus. Dear saints, teach one another to walk with Jesus. Jesus is the only way home. Walk with him. Please pray with me. Our Father in heaven, we give you thanks for our Jesus. He is the only way by which we can speak to you today. He is the only reason by which we even want to speak to you today. He is the only way by which we can call you Father. For in Him we have been adopted. In Him is the fullness of salvation. He has done it all and it is finished. Our Father, we give you thanks. And pray now that we would put Him at the center of our thoughts, the center of our feelings, the center of our ambitions that we would make our lives all about knowing him and making him known. Father, forgive us that we have wasted so many times and so many years and so many seconds of our life being fixated with so many other things. Father, forgive us for all the works we have done in which Christ has not been front and center. Forgive us all those conversations which were not first and foremost about Jesus. And Father, please, enthrone Christ in our hearts and in our mouths. That we would be people who live for him. Who live under him. We pray, O God, that you would exalt him and we would rejoice in him. For in his name we pray. Amen.